Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Ladies and gentlemen, it's me again with another episode. And today I have a very interesting guest, Zen Zen, Zen, <laughs> Zen Benefiel. Send, say hello to our audience. <laughs> Namaste and in La Catch. <laughs> it was um, interesting because I know the United States put their clocks forward. And, and I was frantically today, I forgot, I'd forgotten. And I was trying to get in touch with them saying, oh, oh, please, we have to do it earlier. Instead... Then in the end, I realized that Arizona doesn't change their clocks. I felt like such a fool, Zen. But anyway, Zen Isn't is talking. Isn't the fool off the wise? <laughs> yes. Zen is talking to us precisely from Arizona. And we'll find out more about him and where he's moved, where he's gone. But he was adopted as an infant. And in 1975... Um, a quest for truth in college brought him to a near-death experience. And um, after that, there was a profound understanding remained. And now, after 20 years or more of coaching, his background also includes work in the aerospace industry. Oh, it had included, I imagine, right. And um, secondary and post-secondary education, radio, television, event production, and team building for multi-million dollar construction pro- uh, projects. Today, he facilitates people, places, and things to work together better and have them tie into a harmony among the people and the planet as his passion and purpose in both life and work move him to do. Now, this is a mouthful, Zen. Um, I, you know, I think to myself, boy, he's been there. Yeah, he's (laughs) been there, done that. I have never had a near-death experience. So let me start, not by that. I'd like to go back. And um, you did mention you um, were adopted. Now, yes. what did, did that make of you, Zen, in high school? What was your high school years like? Oh, I had a blast. Oh, good for um, you. I was on varsity sports teams, oh. uh, starters, uh, and on the, the football team as a free safety. As a freshman, I ran a 4-3, 40-yard dash. Oh, my God. So I was so one fast. of the three fastest people on the team. Yeah. Um, played basketball. Uh, played golf. I was a medalist on our At high that age? Team. At that high yeah. school age? Yeah. Wow. And I was... Uh, uh, a good academia. I graduated 10th of my class and, uh, and I didn't rank any higher because I was a bit mischievous and, uh, our citizenship <laughs> grades were included in the academic side. So my shenanigans dropped my academic performance level. Very substantially. Little, well, yeah, well, well, I would have been the closest salutatorian had I not uh-huh. done what I did. Wow. Um, but hey, I was a teacher's kid, and I ran around with a preacher's son, and so you know, yeah. you... <laughs> you had to do something wrong. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was funny. Um, 
but the you know the the impact at that point i knew i was loved i hadn't didn't have any questions about where i came from and yeah. i had some experience as a kid that kind of opened me up to uh, multiple dimensions if you will yeah i still haven't put it all together yet but as a teenager i was a teenager yeah okay? i get I, it you're, you know i love to do stuff i uh, i wasn't you know malevolent but i i sure was mischievous oh good for you wow um, but then something happens. Okay. Did you know at the end of uh, your four years in high school what you wanted to do? I mean, was it an easy choice for you? No, it wasn't. And what I did was I chose to follow my uncles because I looked around me as like, okay, who do I see that I find most enjoyable? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, my father was a 32nd degree mason and a tool and die maker. He built... Uh, from scratch, plastic injection molds for X cars for the headlamp and taillight assemblies for General mm-hmm. Motors. Eh, right. Um, my uncle, on the other hand, was a general practitioner, so he was the town doctor. Mm. And he had this manner about him that he was just fun, uh, you know, engaging, um, real good diagnostician. And he just had a great manner. We liked this guy. We liked him. Yeah. Yeah. So of my choices, I thought, okay, well, I'll go down that route and and see where I go. So I entered college in the pre-med program. I tested out of five quarters of general education going in. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, this will be the the direction I'm going to head and see where it takes me. Yeah. Yeah. How long did that last? Well, it lasted through the first year. Oh, oh long. In that, um, starting my second quarters when uh, the near-death experience happened, I uh, I was emotionally bereft of connection at that point internally. I just felt kind of empty and wondering. And yeah. so I hit my knees. And um, actually, I hit them softly, right? I, I knelt in prayer. Yeah. And I prayed and I said, Father, I want to know what truth is and I'm willing to die for it if necessary. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, that was, I think, on a Saturday night. So maybe. what time of year was it? Uh, autumn? Fall. Fall. Okay. Fall. Right. It was the beginning of the uh, second quarter. Winter quarter. Okay. The so winter quarter. second mm-hmm. quarter, it was um, the actual date that this happened. And you'll love this was 11 11 1975. Mm. So this was before anything, you know, the yeah. the, the 11 11 came Order. up, mm-hmm. right? So, and maybe I was the initial creator of it, I don't know. Um, in the excuse me, Achoo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, this I, is important uh, stuff when you sneeze, well, yeah, sneeze at the truth, right? <laughs> right. So this uh, on Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. I came back from school and I was laying across my dorm room bed, listening to Journey's first album mm-hmm. and a song called In the Morning Day. That's you. <laughs> oh, excuse me. That's all Another right. Kick um, in between the vocals and the vamp on In the Morning Day, this voice I've been familiar with since I was a kid. <laughs> oh, excuse me. My goodness. No, I'm um, glad it's you and not me because I usually do that. And I start sneezing 10 times in a row. So it's nice to see somebody else doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I was fine a little bit ago. Pardon me for just a second. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm laying across the dorm room bed. The, this voice says, I'm going to give names Bruce. It says, Bruce, are you willing to die for what you believe in? And I thought, wow, uh, what do I believe in? Uh, Christ consciousness. Mm, feels a little empty. Mm. Didn't question it, just honored the feeling, right? Then I went on to cosmic consciousness, and it felt full. And so I said, yes. And then a guitar riff happens. It sounds like a rocket ship taking off. I get a tug from my solar plexus i pop out of body i'd had plenty of ob's before so i was comfortable with it what are ob's 
OBEs are out-of-body experiences. Okay. And many people have them. Most often they happen kind of happenstance. You know, it, yeah. it's uh, Generally, spontaneous. Generally, that's a topic of discussion on my YouTube channel yeah. often. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd had them since I was a kid as well, so I was quite comfortable. So I pop out of body and I'm looking at my body laying across my dorm room bed. And then I turn to look where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I'm immediately, I couldn't even get turned around mm-hmm. before I was engulfed by white light. And it had this, not just feeling like home, it had this iridescent, effervescent, high-pitched sensation to it. And then Now, within hold moment, on, let me stop you. Sure. You were out of body and then the light came? Yes. Okay, now this is, um, this is quite particular because... Um, you you're watching it from a third position let's say a third i'm saying a third position the observer mm-hmm. the observer self yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah there's a participant the observer and the will mm-hmm. okay at least i and that's one of the ways i understand i always love that trinitized you know mm-hmm. uh, fractal that occurs but you said so you were stopped in your tracks you just couldn't you know this is this is why I'm, I've stopped and and asked you for clarification because at one point you said, but then I couldn't move. You and and I'm thinking, wait, he was out of body, because then the light came. Now I, I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe well, I maybe, misunderstood. I don't. I, I think so because I I could move. I mean, mm-hmm. I, even though I was just my consciousness at that okay. time embraced and enveloped mm-hmm. by this white light, I could still think because mm-hmm. I was analyzing what was happening. Okay. And so I knew that I wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing that happened is the impetuous teenager came in because the light got boring, mm-hmm. right? Even though it felt So you full were of 19, you weren't yet 20? So, okay. 18. 18. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the question. I was just thinking to myself, right? I wasn't really talking to anybody. I was just thinking, wow, is there more, right? And then I feel a movement and I'm in an indigo background now with points of light surrounding me. Mm-hmm. And I intuitively knew, I started to ask the question of, okay, what, what are these points of light? And then I instantly knew mm-hmm. they were points of consciousness, of whether consciousness. in body or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether in body or not, I wasn't sure because I knew I wasn't, but I had the sense that they were somehow. So then the voice picks back up at that point Mm -hmm. and says, these are those that you are to work with in order to facilitate a new world order. Mm -hmm. It will happen in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Know this to be true. Your path will be full of trials and tribulations. Have faith and trust that everything you need will be there at its appointed time. Mm -hmm. Trust and allow. Mm-hmm. And then I feel another rush of energy and I'm back in my body taking a gulp of air. Mm-hmm. Well, the trial and tribulation side of it's understatement. <laughs> Already <laughs> begun. <laughs> yeah. However, the second thing I got from it was that we're all cosmic consciousness condensed into form, just unaware. Mm-hmm. Now. So then my question was you are- began... You're, hold on, we're 19, sure. the near-death experience, you're, you're describing it um, as a near-death experience. That's the best label I've found for yeah. it, but near-death, spiritual <laughs> me. It doesn't know, kind of seem like a near-death experience, it seems like an awakening. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, so I would have described it as an awakening because you were, uh, you were called upon for mm-hmm. a purpose right and when you talk yeah, I about got marching orders that's for sure <laughs> you have they, they've given you quite a <laughs> quite a menu let's put it that way yeah yeah so so you said these when the lights that you saw um you you thought to yourself that they were points of consciousness now uh this i knew it i yeah. didn't think I, I didn't have to think okay it, it was like this was Right. Now, why I'm stopping you is because there's such a um, an overriding, uh, 
I don't want to say argument, but it is a theme of uh, contention between well, what is consciousness. Quite a charge to it. Now, what is consciousness, and what is the soul? Is the soul oh, conscious? You know. So when you say it was consciousness, I'm wondering: is it spirit light? Because, oh, you know, the big gurus out there are talking about the soul being overlapping with consciousness and the soul is consciousness and so when we see light that's spirit light you know there's a the whole notion of the one mind right right or oneness each mm -hmm. of us are individuated in that we don't have to give up our individuality in right experience right in fact the cosmic consciousness condensed into form has specific if not perfected form fit and function in the world uh-huh Right. And that's what we're, that's what, not we, but some seek because mm -hmm. they understand that it's there at a very deep level. Now, whether that comes from, you know, uh, precursive information or lifetimes mm -hmm. or, you know, it doesn't really matter. The, the fact is we're here and we have that sense mm -hmm. about. And so the. Uh, the notion of the one mind this this repository of information everything that's this infinite intelligence if infinite you will. intelligence it, right mm -hmm. and yet it's specific to each individual and it's the information we get is based on the questions we ask right right and and i think uh individual to each person the way the information comes and they are able to retrieve that right. is also very Howard Gardner, his work with the multiple intelligences kind of reveals another Can you repeat the name again, please? I, you... Howard Gardner. Uh-huh, right. And he mm -hmm. uh, introduced the multiple intelligences yeah. back in 1982. Yeah. And so now they are somewhat included in lesson plans for yes. uh, class work. Somewhat, yeah. Right. I, I did in the charter one of the charter schools that I taught for, and it was I actually put together multiple intelligence learning centers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really impressed the owner of the school and, and <laughs> got all kinds of praise. And then uh, I had challenges with one of the the students that ended up in me having to leave. Ah, unfortunate uh, happens. It was a dollar situation. Yeah. That, uh, unfortunately, schools are dependent on well, what money comes in, and that's what makes things popular or not. So, where yeah. um, let's say you, you are in Arizona, we we mentioned that now. Yes. Where did you live before you? Have you always grown up in Arizona, or is this a no, recent choice? No, I, I was uh, I was born in Indianapolis, okay. orphan at birth. Mm -hmm. uh, Adopted by a couple from Alexandria, mm -hmm. which was about 60 miles northeast of mm -hmm. Indianapolis, and grew up there until I was 23, mm -hmm. and was married at that time, and, and the auto industry had really decimated the environment job-wise, and so we had the opportunity. Yeah. I'd lost all three jobs. I was playing in a band as a drummer, uh, working part-time as a machinist and as a meat cutter. And in three days' time, all three jobs disappeared. And I went out on the front porch, threw my hands up to the sun, said, okay, I'm listening. Where do you want me to go? Yeah. And I'll be, yeah. I'll be darned if I didn't That's hear how it happens. Emails. And so three weeks later, we were packed up and on the road. Yeah. And you've chosen Arizona as your next stop, let's say. Yeah. It's kind of my um, station for yes. the time being. Right. for the time being until i'm released but i've been here for 40 some odd years and, oh, and well uh, yeah it's it's suiting you just fine absolutely mm -hmm. now we ended up um where we were in uh at the university medicine and now came this experience you left the uh, medical program or did you you know, go through the entire years. No, the, the second year I switched to a psychology major with a religion, uh, hmm. comparative religion minor mm -hmm. because of that. I had started reading everything I, I could get a hold of, Rig Vedas, Vedas, Upanishads, Bhagavad Gita, Quran, 
uh, Urantia book. I'd already read the Bible two or three times. Uh, it, so I was looking for similar types of experiences that others might have had because I yeah. knew it was that powerful. And yet I still had the questions of, okay, uh, how? What do I need to do to prepare? And that, those were the two basic questions. And so as life went on, uh, I'd actually bought a couple of sets of drums, made a stupid decision, uh, looking back on it, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, I put them in my dorm room and eventually had to move out of the dorm because I'd spent my room and, bunny, or mm -hmm. room and board money mm -hmm. on the drums. So that set me up for some precarious events and i got beat up at a frat house one night oh, looking Jesus. to stay warm at 77 below zero now that could factor. have been a near-death experience right there you were lucky <laughs> absolutely i was yeah. um didn't like how it happened but it probably saved my life so and, let's uh, say you know you're painting a picture of of a man a young man and you but but a young man looking to the future. A foolish man. Right? Yeah, yeah. Some a, a normal guy who likes to yeah, have yeah, a good yeah. time. But then the call came, and then something shook your world. And um, in tarot, literally, we call this uh, a tower situation. Well, you mentioned that throw. Okay, so my parents had me go see a psychiatrist, and after the third visit, he says, "You know, you're not crazy." You've had a spiritual awakening. Why so young? I don't understand because most people don't go through it till the mid 40s if mm -hmm. they ever do. Mm -hmm. But come here, I, I got something I want to show you. And he had his house, his office in a historic home in downtown Anderson, two story. Mm -hmm. So, and he says, come here. And so he takes me upstairs and at the top of the stairs, he opens the door and my heart just explodes as I'm looking into this Feel the room. energy. Like, yeah. Mm. And there's all kinds of metaphysical signs and posters and stuff hanging from the ceiling and bookshelves and a card table with a deck of tarot cards sitting mm -hmm. right inside the door. And I look at those and I look at him, you know, like, here's a psychiatrist with tarot cards. Yeah. How did that fit? Right? Because it didn't at that time in most cases. So he says, you know what those are? I said, yeah. Uh, and explained it. And then he said, have you ever had them read? And I said, no. He said, would you like to? I said, absolutely. <laughs> so we sat not. down and did a reading. And at the end of it, he says, you know, my best advice, don't talk to anybody. <laughs> They're not going to understand the wisdom that you carry at this age. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I sort of listened, but not really. Um, and so after I got beat up at the frat house, my parents decided that it was that I needed some time off. Mm -hmm. And so they committed me and I was on. Now, when you 000... say committed you, what does that mean exactly? Psychiatric ward. Uh -huh. So I was at the emergency room getting my eye stitched up from being accosted at a frat house. Mm -hmm. And my dad shows up and I said, okay, I, I'm you know glad you're here, ready to go home. And he says, no, I think you need to stay for a little bit. And I'm thinking oh. blow to the head, possible concussion, oh, no. overnight observation. Yeah, I can go for that. Then two orderlies walk up, they escort me onto the elevator, <laughs> take me up to the seventh floor, opens the door opens, and there's this, you know, door with a little bitty uh, you know, wire mesh window. And this uh, old black guy that, that kind of large, he's sitting in the chair, he stands up, grabs his wad of keys from his belt loop and says, Oh, got another one for me, huh? And that's the and death experience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they had me on, you know, I tried, they, um, of course, diagnosed me and then put me on 2,000 milligrams of Thorazine a day. And I should have been a lump in the and corner. And Thorazine but I was does what? Thorazine. Well, it's an, anti, it's an antipsychotic depressant. Oh. So if you are um, being, if you react to the drug, how it is supposed to work. Yeah. All right, you'll be a lump in the corner. Okay. And, and it, I was I was up playing ping pong, beating the male <laughs> nurses. Right, they couldn't figure it out. Yeah. So after a while, um, I figured out how to tell the doc what he wanted to hear, uh -huh. and immediately it was a miracle cure. And he told my parents I didn't think I he would ever come out of it speaking about me. And that uh, 
he was impressed and so they gradually they started weaning me off the thorazine uh -huh. i spent six, six weeks there uh -huh. when i came out my self-confidence and my um, self-esteem was just Shot. you know bottomed uh -huh. out yeah and i would literally shake so bad because i was afraid of being rejected when people would ask me questions about what was going on and yeah and i wanted to be truthful and honest mm -hmm. you know i'm a full disclosure right. kind of guy my dad used to say the truth is less than full disclosure and i finally got that mm. <laughs> right yeah. at that time though it was like i'm going to be honest you ask me a question i'm going to go as deep as i can and be as honest mm. as i can and so that set up this fear inside of me that i would shake so bad that my body would tremble now wait and it took me a couple of years to get over that now this is a perfect time to not change subject but to bring in another element because in a, a moment like this the first thing i would think as a woman um i would think well wasn't there any love in his life not of the parents of your parents but of a, a woman or a man whatever your pleasure would it was there a person who was important to you in that time no mm -hmm. no i i was alone uh, my core request at the time was i just wanted to be listened to mm -hmm. right right I just wanted to be heard but was it and there was no listening well now you were uh, let's say dependent on your parents, especially at this moment, it was almost impossible for you to break away. And you were not in this mindset. Sort of. When I got out of the hospital, um, dad had a vehicle for me. Mm -hmm. I, within about three weeks, I had a job. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I began rebuilding. Yeah, your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you then move away from your uh, family home? at one point when when was that about um i was 20 um i met a woman and you were 20 uh, at that point was it 20 or a little older yeah i'm losing count no, I'm, okay I'm, okay I, I was 20 uh, we got married when i was 21 mm -hmm. and had our first child at 22 mm -hmm. and um and then at 23, moved to Arizona, and she was pregnant with our second child. Okay, so already you're moving at a very young age to Arizona. So let's say you flew the coop as soon as you were able to get your things together, have the love. This is why I asked you about a love in your life, because that was what then gave you that necessary energy to do what you're supposed to be doing, right? Um, For the time being... Mm -hmm. um, we ended up getting divorced and the activity or that whole process nearly destroyed me yet again. Mm -hmm. But uh, you were in Arizona already. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So now we have crisis upon crisis upon crisis. Now just hold yeah, trials on. Trials and tribulations. Trials I was told and tribulations. They were yeah, trials and tribulations. But now I'm going to move forward a little bit, not to jump the gun, there's, we're not in a hurry here, but why I'm jumping forward is this, because at one point um, you mentioned that you facilitate people, places, and things to work together. Now, I need a little more uh, definition of what that means in, in practical well, terms. And, practical and maybe terms, an example. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, I was one of five people that ran one of the largest arts and crafts festivals in the country. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah. A quarter million people, patrons, mm -hmm. that would travel through the event during the weekend. My area, I had 350 vendors and 20 food vendors and about 20 volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so we would, I was in charge of that area. Um, I've also ran events on my own where I was completely in charge of logistics, um, which 5,000 people over a weekend, 30 some odd speakers. So mm -hmm. the logistics included all the chairs, the vendor, we had 120 vendors. So all okay, the hold 10 on. by 10. Now, these events, uh, what yeah. kind of events were they for product sales, for spirituality? Well, the, arts uh, crafts, the, arts oh, the arts and crafts were a arts and crafts festival right. 
Right. Um, world renowned, as a matter of uh -huh. fact. The event that I was just telling you about was called the Prophets Conference. So uh -huh. you can kind of get an idea of what it was about. Mm -hmm. Prophets. Ah, the Prophets. P-R-O-P-H-E-T. <laughs> it's a man. Right? It's not a woman. No. Okay. No. No, because uh, Joan Ocean was one of the speakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zachariah Sitchin, Edgar Mitchell, mm -hmm. Jose Arguez, um, people of that ilk during that so, time. So this was sort of a turning point. Did it, you know, we talked about the trials and tribulations, and then there's this, um, this type, this is sort of down the line or, you know. Well, the turning point, okay, so right after my divorce, uh -huh. um, I had an opportunity a couple of years later, uh, of course, the name Zen came around about that time. I had uh, rented a house with a guest house and, mm -hmm. and a friend who was the founder of the Church of the New Age Spiritual Revolution of America mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, he and I had gone to a full moon meditation. We were sitting out in front of the house uh, afterwards. And oh, you were one of really, those. The New yeah, Age. I had a really deep conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been called that. Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, so we were sitting had this deep conversation we felt quiet for a moment i went inside closed my eyes it but i didn't go inside the house i went inside yeah. myself right sure closed my sure. eyes and, and sure. i asked the question who am i and mm -hmm. i hear his chair move i open my eyes up turn to look at him locked on his eyes first words out of his mouth you are zendor uh -huh. so if as if that wasn't enough my second sight kicks on eyes open and I see this starscape with a huge stone arch doorway and a thick wooden door slowly opening toward me. And I hear, door to what is? Well, what do you do with that? You know, I told him what I experienced and that was it. I didn't talk to anybody else. Well, a couple of years later, I had the opportunity to produce and host a television show. Mm -hmm. We called it One World. And my format was I interviewed people from all walks of life about how they got where they were at, what prompted them to mm -hmm. do what they're doing from both inner and outer perspectives, what fears they encountered, more importantly, how they overcame them, mm -hmm. and how they saw that fitting into the common human experience around them. So about six shows in, and I used my given name, Bruce Benefiel, mm -hmm. with the subtitle Zendor. Mm -hmm. right? Zendor. Kind of what is? Mm -hmm. oh, just playing around with it. Why not? Right. So about six shows in, one of the guys on the set called me Zen and it just cascaded. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't have to do anything about it. I mm -hmm. just stepped into it. And of course, you know, having that name is a bit challenging because you have to live up to it. Okay. Now there's a theme that I'd like to approach now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very dear to my heart. And it is... Um, creating this bridge between, because this is what I was hoping you'd come to, but I'm going to lead you there. Um, creating oh. bridges across science, spirituality, and everyday life. Mm -hmm. That's been my objective because there's got to be an explanation for the experience. And the more we understand it, the better we can integrate and ascend to new opportunities with it. Okay. I, I need some more practical e examples of putting of of your experience as mm -hmm. a facilitator for creating the bridge. Do you see what I'm saying? All right, here's a perfect example. Okay. Um, in the part, so the one of the hats that I wear is a partnering facilitator for building road, bridge, waterway, and park services. Okay. And they're multi-million dollar projects. My job is to build the stakeholder team foundation. Okay. Right. So the members come together. I take them through a process. That process includes a uh, an overview of the principles of partnering, communication, integrity, um, trust, and yep. um, uh, conflict resolution. Okay. Resolution. Okay. Well, these these are professional people so, right, so religious hands on. never mm -hmm. that. these mm -hmm. are engineers contractors mm -hmm. construction mm -hmm. people right construction leaders of so it's not the the guys that are working sure. on the site so after the partnering 
principles, then we go into a code of ethics, which is how they're going to agree to work with each other. And they choose that. Okay. I just facilitate the process of, you know, mm -hmm. what their expectations are of how they're okay. going to work together. Then there's also the uh, charter goals and objectives that mm -hmm. we outline. Yeah. And then we take that. I print it out. Yeah. I get them all to sign it. Yeah. And then I talk about being on the same page and what that kind of commitment right. does in uh -huh. energetically. Yeah, yeah. And I talk about the simple ideas and the notions of when you put your attention, intention, and interaction towards something. Yeah. Then everything else becomes available for that to happen in ways that can sometimes seem a little magical. Okay. Now, what happens in the meetings themselves yeah. is that by talking about jobarchy, for instance, is the term I use, which mm -hmm. means the job of the boss and everybody wins. So your mm -hmm. ego is left at the door and there's no ego without we go. Egos are still important. They just need to be directed to the okay. we go. Okay. So hold right. on. Now you're bringing, uh, you know, through the language you use as well, uh, and that's a big component it is isn't it um, all right so so you're bringing them through this or crossing the bridge or creating the bridge you know um and that is a form of spirituality the language that you use and uh, creating the glue for these people to work together right. how did they respond the is to have them be in harmony with the needs of the job Okay. And sometimes there's value engineering involved where they can do things differently that are, mm -hmm. are cheaper or better or can pull in the time frame. So the the effectiveness of my work ends up in being a shortened schedule and with more profit for the companies. Okay. And how did they respond to this idea of an, using your intentions to create magic, essentially? Well, I, I don't use that kind of language mm -hmm. with them well what i do is it I was magical it. it could be magical or was that just for well, my I, sake that was just for for our sake and, and mm -hmm. the conversation no um with these guys i really got to be careful of hedging the edge of that because okay. there are as life know, there's, has there's taught a, you you have to be careful yeah, what you say to be involved. exactly mm -hmm. um so the however because I'm a good listener and, a, and also an empath, I pay attention to micro expressions. Mm -hmm. So I look for those opportunities to draw out conversation. Okay. Okay. And then through that, illustrate how the conversation builds the team and ultimately allows them to work together in a greater capacity. Okay. Because we've gotten those. Uh, the constrictions for uh -huh. it out of the way so they in a sense are able to feel a bit more vulnerable with each okay. other in okay i get that you know and talk so, about how they feel what they I'm think going and what needs to, to be stop done. just a moment because um i interview a lot of people and a lot of people do this in the sense that they are in the corporate world and then all of a sudden they have some form of reawake of awakening let's say and they change the nature of the way they put people together similar to this my question now is a little um uh, uh, well i'll just spit it out yeah, bring how, it out. Let's go. how much of that is actually dictated to you from the powers that be i'll use that expression because i'll give you an example before you respond for example there was a, a guest, a woman, who had written an entire book dictated to her from what you call consciousness, from a spirit. And it was a story about a woman in the South who grew up in the turn of the century, 1890, 1920, things like that. And it took her a long time to write that book, right? Now, in this case, what I'd like to know is how much of the job that you're doing is, you know, is given to you from those spirits that have spoken to you so far. I don't see a distinction, honestly. Sorry? I don't see a distinction. 
between what and what? I don't, I don't experience a distinction. I show up with my attention, my intention, and my interaction all focused on being what needs to be. Okay, I get and, it. And, under, and understanding the process that I need to engage, because every group, the conversation is going to be different, but the process is always the same. Okay, so and let's say so, that when they were talking to you, when the message came to you that your life is going to be full of trial, trials and tribulation, tribulations, it is as if they were saying, look, Bruce, at the time, you gotta veer a little to the right because otherwise, you know, you're going to get it. But here, you are... Didn't get that. You Well, but the thing is, you took a turn and you did change the way you did things no not okay, really then I'm i just did something. it with more intention but i'm in i'm missing something still in the I, past I understand, I understand. And, and you know maybe the general sense is is there is a shift you know i was 18 so there really right. wasn't a shift this was a progression right 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 and, and it was just an added piece that allowed that progression to happen with more foreknowledge uh-huh okay so i was mindful. aware uh -huh. yeah yeah right yeah uh and so that's the place that i was in and and because you know we were i was having a conversation the other day with a woman we were talking about ndes and mm -hmm. the th types of things that happen and when you go into the one you know the the idea of non-dual consciousness is that you're absorbed into the one well I've had experiences in the light. I've been in the void as well. There is still an observer, which means of the eye does not disappear. It becomes, there's a bridge with the eye and the we. Mm -hmm. okay. And they become one. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's still that um, perspective of the mm -hmm. eye in, yeah. in the we, in the individuation. That's how we're designed. Okay. So this notion then when one has that awareness it's like everything's natural there's no distinction between okay. this dimension or another there's simply moments that are bridges i guess for lack mm -hmm. of a better um, and the more you operate in that the more you begin to trust it the more available and vulnerable you are to it okay. and so it I becomes it. a singular sure. experience mm -hmm. all right i'm going to throw something out you will that uh, you will see what happens with this should i put my mitt on huh sorry should i put my mitt on <laughs> no Is we'll gonna... see i'll, I'll okay. give you time out if you need all right the the okay. notion have you um ever dealt with the notion of time time travel timelines different time dimensions yeah. Okay. What was your experience with that? Do you remember? Well, there's been several opportunities. One was on board a ship giving a, uh, being an MC for a, a meeting about first contact. And, mm -hmm. and there was some discussions about uh, how things are in other worlds and, and how we're evolving and, and some scenery that went along with that, that I, I'm not sure whether it was the earth or someplace else, but I saw like a vision of how we can be in the future mm -hmm. then uh just last year i ran across uh memoirs of uh, wilbert smith who ran canada's ufo investigation yeah, program yeah, in the yeah. 1950s mm -hmm. funded by the ministry of transportation and he had many conversations with people from elsewhere uh -huh. one of the things that he wrote down that they had shared with him was that their concept of time is that it's a measurement in the change of entropy. Yeah. So yeah. when we step back and, and look at the, sure, we've got, you know, day, night, the, the revolutions of the planet, the moon, and all that kind of stuff. And yet there is a, another sense of time to where things are flowing, right? They're in harmony. Mm -hmm. There's a truncation of the time necessary in order to accomplish things. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of where we're at right now in this, transition from the the Piscean to the Aquarian age and that as we move into it we've got 15 years for before the close of the window mm -hmm. as you're aware 
and that in this emergent beingness that's happening in humanity right now, and even Valentina uh, Morovina, who's a Russian academian, wrote a dissertation recently about her studies. Now, this is a dual degree PhD level mm -hmm. Russian academia yeah. science type who's been studying the mutations and the scientific evidence of the ascension, right? Mm -hmm. Of becoming a, a greater being. So and, she and was in physics. She was from a physics background, I imagine. But that's one of her degrees. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one, I think, was in biology, but mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, um, and her dissertation is called The Global Mutation of Humanities. And, mm -hmm. and it is on YouTube. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, um, I hope she would think of publishing it or if she has published well, it. Well, it is published. Ah, okay. And it's in Russian. Okay. There mm -hmm. are English subtitles to the dissertation and there is a website mm -hmm. available that has on it that can be translated as well so it's the global so the mutation point. of humanity mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so that's you know just a, another one of the indicators that this emerging natural order which is the true new world order mm -hmm. because it's in harmony with self others in the planet mm -hmm. and there's this innate understanding that we have at a designed level that we're finally peeling back the layers of the engine enough to mm -hmm. get to because we're not thinking as much and trying to project what we think we know. We're actually asking questions. And of course, you know, you cannot think your way yeah. through a system built on vibration. You have to sense your way yeah. through it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's where I wanted you. Because when you build bridges between science, spirituality, and everyday life, that spirituality element seems not to trickle down in everyday life for everyone. Sure, the experience is a spiritual that, that's experience. A choice and application, in my opinion. It's a personal choice because you see it that way. But let me put myself in the shoes of the engineer that's working on that project. He doesn't know better. And so he doesn't have that choice. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, the choice is to ask the questions based on the intelligence he has. Yeah. And it's still a choice, right? Because yes. there is, there is a, you know, an awareness that there's stuff we don't know. Okay. Now, let okay. me stop you there. Before sure. we got on... And I pressed that record button. Um, we were talking about music, about your wife, a Russian wife, who has um, a very strong musical background, like yourself. And uh, right. you were talking about classical piano and everything. And why I bring this up is that a colleague of mine, an academic, um, said to me, a really intelligent German background uh, man, I said, you know, it would be interesting for you to start playing the piano or something like that. I was talking about music. He says, no, that's impossible because I don't have ah, that in my, he says, it's, I don't have that in my experience. I can't imagine it and therefore I can't do it, you know? Right. Now, well, there, this is what here's the, the phrase that comes to mind. Anything is possible to those who believe. Yes. Believe. Right? Okay. So okay. if you don't believe it, that's true for you. Okay. Okay. Again, it's a choice. Okay. So let's right? go you back to the engineer. Let's go. Or the engineer can say, you know, um, I understand these things. These are my schematics. Yeah. These are mm -hmm. my dimensions. This is the uh, project that mm -hmm. I, I have that I need to craft. You know, I work with manufacturing engineers in the aer aerospace mm -hmm. industry. I was a production control coordinator responsible for $7 million a month in mm -hmm. uh, commercial spares. Mm -hmm. So 800 partners. But in the process of being that, though, I was in charge of making sure units were assembled and, and tested and shipped. So when there was a problem on the assembly line because of a casting or a misfitting nut mm -hmm. or, or something, it just wasn't allowed allowing the assembly to be 
produced. Mm -hmm. Then I had to get the manufacturing engineers involved and we had to look at, okay, mm -hmm. what's the real issue here? Are there design changes? Are there simple assembly instruction changes right. that need to be made? Or do we need to go back to the casting yeah. from which it began from? If the, mm -hmm. it is a cast part, right? Because the cast parts are the machine. But if the casting's off, the machine, right. you can do all kinds of machines. It's never going to fit right. So by looking at that, then there had to be this progression of asking the right questions and finding the answers and right. then proceeding with the solution. Of now, course. From, from a spiritual standpoint, knowing that exists is the first step. Okay. There's a solution the belief. for everything. Okay. Let me say one thing. You're with the engineer, yeah. what you were describing before. And the engineer does his job and you coordinate and you speak to them in a certain way, the intentions and the whole bit. You mm -hmm. start halfway into the project and he sees you're really cool, calm and collected. And Zen, I mean, he must be cool, calm and selected with that name. He pulls you aside, coffee break. And he says, hey, Zen, you know, I see that you're really, you're, you're, you're on the ball because you never lose your cool. You never lose your, 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 you don't get angry no matter what happens. What happened to you to make you like that? I imagine it must have been a big deal. Now, this day and age, we're talking about now, Zen now. At that point, would you talk to him about the awakening that you've had? Would you feel comfortable in doing that to this man who you don't know necessarily? You don't know his beliefs. Absolutely. Uh -huh. absolutely comfortable and i would also say to begin with you know it wasn't really a major breakthrough it was a lot of little ones that mm -hmm. added up yeah 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 right and you know or you know who was it that said you know the major breakthrough happens because of a lot a lot of smaller breakdowns sure. yes and and that's how we build we have to let go of ourselves realize it's not all about yeah. us yeah yeah and yet it is yeah yeah right there truth has a lot of paradox mm -hmm. right and the sooner we get that you know the healthier yeah. attitude we'll have, yeah. Right? yeah 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 um, because you know it it all is there there's you know this bipolar framework that we mm -hmm. deal with that's yeah what is good so bad how do we effectively mm -hmm. do that yeah and first of all we recognize that there's a way mm-hmm we may not understand what that is, but we are intelligent enough to ask the questions about, oh, well, if this were so, then what why, what might we be able to do okay. to okay. understand it more, right. to alter it, to make it better, you know, to get more people involved, right, mm -hmm. or to share it? Um, so right, we're winding down here. And um, but I'd like you to think just a moment with your experience, if you had to give um, a suggestion to our audience and listeners, um, what could help them? Because why I'm asking this is because I get a lot of questions. What am I meant to do? What is my purpose in life? Is there anything you can suggest to them that would help them in some way to answer? Absolutely. That? Go ahead. Pay attention to what's right in front of you. Okay. First of all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the world doesn't happen outside of you. It happens right, right in front of you. Exactly. This is a and very good suggestion. And we circumvent that to look at the horizon and some kind of expectation, which sets up disappointment, usually. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're doing what's in front of you to do, then the universe will acknowledge, oh, they're paying attention. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so then that... Uh, for lack of a better momentum tunnel, mm -hmm. begins to bring things in. For instance, and here's mm -hmm. a real practical example. Yeah. So, as you know, I do another, I, I do my own podcast called One World in the New World, and I interview people kind of the same as the old One World, mm -hmm. which was a show I did back in the 90s. Yeah. And in so doing, you know, I've kind of been looking for people now because I have a global market where I yeah. had a local market before. And I follow the promptings of, oh, this person might be interested yeah. or interesting. And uh, one of the guys I interviewed recently, who I'd known for 20 years, I don't know everybody, mm -hmm. you know, for very long sometimes. But this one I did, he was a lawyer. 
-hmm. and uh, he runs an attorney's firm called Attorneys for Freedom. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it was necessary for us to have a conversation. So we did. Mm -hmm. In that conversation, I find out that he has helped co-found a global peace movement Mm -hmm. called Live and Let Live. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the conversation, and, you know, once we signed off, or hit the... uh, uh, record button again. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, you know, it sounds like we're really close, you know, like we're on the same page. You'll really take a look at the, at the organization. I'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. So we had a conversation over lunch a couple of weeks later, mm-hmm. and I accepted taking over or becoming the Arizona chapter mm-hmm. leader. And then shortly thereafter, the executive director that was in place mm-hmm. decided it was too much for them and they bowed out. Oh. And Mark asked my me mm-hmm. to uh, step in mm-hmm. along with a, another person in Hawaii. And I thought, okay, here's a perfect opportunity for the male and the female energy to work together, both having logistics backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? So we've right. got a, a more in-depth understanding of how to actually create and activate a movement things. and mm-hmm. get people, place things mm-hmm. to work together better. So th- by paying attention to what was in front of me, and yeah. saying yes and stepping in, leaning into, even right. though, I mean, here's a, a organization with 30 chapters in 19 countries already. Yeah. So to step into that could be overwhelming to some. I feel perfectly prepared and mm-hmm. in the Zen space, mm-hmm. right, for it to just naturally unfold. Mm-hmm. And so far, that's what it's doing. Pay so when you pay attention mm-hmm. to what's in front of you and you do it systematically, You'll begin to see synchronicities, which will yeah. guide you to other people, places, and things, right? Yeah. As long as you're paying attention. And this will gradually move you into that perfect place where the skill set that you have will have its perfect application in the world. A lot of people think that, oh, I've developed these skills. I, I need to sever that right. part of my life and start fresh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah. When, when you have those skill sets and yeah. you've been yeah. given the training mm-hmm. and all of that, do you think the universe wants you just to stop, <laughs> stop yeah. and, and, you know, ch- no, there's, there's a progression of your right. life, just like there's a progression in the timeline. And all of it is for you to enjoy, learn from, grow, mm-hmm. and then ascend into this new order that's yeah. coming as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Zen, it has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having taken the time to talk to us. And um, who knows what the future will bring. Our paths may cross again. I certainly hope so. And and I do hope that uh, you and your audience considers taking a look at liveandletlive.org, mm-hmm. spelled out, mm-hmm. and joining with our global peace movement, even if it's just in emotional support. Good, good, excellent. Every little bit makes a difference. Thanks again. Thanks again, son. Bye-bye. Namaste and in la catch.